Welcome into the DNVR Rams podcast presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. I was able to catch up with Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Colorado in earlier this week. If you missed that pod, go back and check it out. We just went through some of our season predictions, gave our thoughts on the team as a whole, what realistic expectations should be, all of that fun stuff. Both of us do believe that the Rams are talented enough to make a bowl game. However, this schedule is going to be challenging, so go check all of that out. Today, I am lucky to be joined by Jake Schwanitz. He actually covers the buffs for us. He's a lifelong Michigan fan. He is a draft guru, follows college football extremely closely. So I wanted to pick his brain on this matchup for CSU with the Michigan Wolverines. I wanted to talk to him about the guys that Ram fans should keep an eye on, You know who are the, the real disruptors. And I also picked his brain on this quarterback situation, which is you know a little bit unique with Jim Harbaugh electing to start McNamara against CSU. And then J.J. McCarthy in week two against Hawaii. Uh, Quite honestly, I I think it's a little bit disrespectful, kind of almost treating this game as a a preseason exhibition with the way that they're doing it. I know what happens in college football, but I don't know. I'd love to see the Rams use it as a motivational tool. But I think you guys are going to really enjoy the interview with Jake. He's a really insightful guy. And uh, he and I just have a good back and forth, good chemistry. Before we get into that, I did want to start just by talking about the 2022-2023 schedule for CSU men's basketball. It is now complete, features games against the Pac-12, SEC, Big Ten, and ACC. In non-conference play, the Rams will play two road games, four neutral site games, in what is a 31-game regular season schedule. Depending on how things play out in the Charleston Classic, CSU has the possibility of playing as many as 11 teams that qualified for the postseason last year. Seven made the tournament, two made the NIT, won the CBI, won the Basketball Classic. Obviously, seven tournament teams, the most significant uh, stat there. In the press release, we have a quote from head coach Nico Medved. Once again, we felt it was important to put together a challenging non-conference schedule for our team. I am really happy we are able to do that. It will give us an opportunity to compete for postseason and get us ready for another tough Mountain West slate. We'll try to get Nico on the podcast here pretty soon. I'd love to get Aaron Katsuma on the pod as well. He put this schedule together. Uh, overall, just my general thoughts on the schedule. It's, it's another challenging one. It, it took a while. They were trying to find a couple more home games. You know, a couple of games against small schools and people are going to see, you know, you're playing Mississippi Valley State and, and Peru State again. That's who CSU played last year, NIA opponents. But, I mean, you kind of have to have a couple of those. It's a tough balancing act when you're trying to, you know, keep your schedule metrics high while also giving yourself some wins. The Rams open in an exhibition against Metro State. That'll be on October 28th. The home opener, though, game one, will be against Gardner-Webb on November 7th. We already knew that. A couple days later, the Rams will host southeastern Louisiana on the 11th before Weber State comes to town on the 14th. Between November 17th and 20th, the Rams will compete at the Charleston Classic, the Shriners Children's Charleston Classic. On the 26th, Mississippi Valley State comes to town. And then we get into a really fun portion of the schedule. On November 30th, the Rams will host Loyola Marymount. On the 3rd, they will host Northern Colorado. Both of those teams should be very good. On the 8th, the Rams will play at Colorado. That's a home-and-home, so CU will come to to Fort Collins next year. 
excuse me, not ducking the Rams this year. So good job, guys. On the 11th, Peru State comes to town. That's a Sunday game. And on the 18th, the Rams play at St. Mary's. The last non-conference game, a neutral site matchup against USC in Phoenix on December 21st. That one has the the possibility of, of being really fun. Not going to go through the entire conference slate, but CSU does open at the pits against New Mexico on December 28th. The home opener in conference play New Year's Eve, December 31st against San Jose State. Ram fans will get an opportunity to see Tim Miles. So dumb that that didn't happen last year. With the imbalanced schedule, CSU will host Utah State on February 4th, but not travel to Logan this year. On the flip side, they will travel to Reno for a matchup with Nevada on January 3rd, but the Wolfpack will not be coming to Fort Collins. That's just how the schedule works. Toughest stretch of the conference slate, probably January 14th through the 31st. They play at UNLV on the 14th, then host San Diego State before traveling to Wyoming. Then they go to Boise State before hosting UNLV and going and uh, hosting Utah State. So that's a that's a pretty tough stretch there. Boise should be really solid again. Wyoming should be a, a team that flirts with the top 25 if they play up to their capabilities. And San Diego State honestly might be a top 10 team this year. That's how good they are going to be. Bummer that we didn't get to see this team run it back with Roddy and Stevens, but I do like a lot of the talent that the Rams have added. I've heard a lot of good things, so... I think it's going to be another fun year, and I think people are underestimating CSU, particularly with a point guard as solid as Isaiah Stevens and a crew that's you know really proven as well. John Tanjay is a guy that's played a lot of significant minutes. Josiah Strong at Illinois State has played you know significant basketball in his career, and then I think we're going to see a big jump, you know, from guys like Jalen Lake and Isaiah Rivera, who are going to need to carry a, a larger scoring burden this year, but I think they're definitely skilled enough to do so. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for basketball to be here, but obviously we're, we're locked in on football on the, at the moment. All right, I want to get to that interview with Jake Schwanitz now, start to talk about this Michigan CSU game. But real quick, the wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a canvas offer. Bet $5 on any football game. Get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action for opening night, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice. And if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you're going to get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonuses issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to talk about AG1 by Athletic Greens. I didn't have time to take a bunch of vitamins, but I wanted to be better, you know, especially after the last couple of years. I think I've just been focused on my health more. Not a pill guy, not a multivitamin guy. They taste like chalk. I wanted something that I could work with, and AG1 was exactly that. Been on it for over a year now. I love it. Doesn't taste like it's super healthy, you know, it doesn't have that weird chalky, grainy, you know, just nasty taste. Kind of tastes you know, a little bit tangy, I feel like has a mild tropical taste. I, I love it. You can put it in your water. I put it in orange juice. Typically, I love me, love me some orange juice. 
But what is it? You know, what is it? It's 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. This special blend of ingredients is a great way to start your day. It supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things that you should be focused on. I do it in the morning when I eat breakfast, but you could do it at any point in the day. It's lifestyle friendly. So whether you're keto, paleo, vegan-free, dairy-free, gluten-free, whatever, or if you eat everything, you're good. Less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. And it's going to cost you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than going to Starbucks. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do, go to athleticgreens.com rams. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash rams to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, all right, all right. Let's get to that conversation with college football guru, DMVR Buffs reporter, and Michigan fan, Jake Schwanitz. All right, joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, we've got Jake Schwanitz of the DNVR Buffs beat. Jake is a longtime Michigan fan, knows more about the blue than just about anybody that I know. So I figured it would be a fun opportunity to get him on this pod, pick his brain a little bit about the matchup. I guess first things first, Jake, you know, thank you for coming on, get the formalities out of the way, but let's just dive right into it here. And, and I'm kind of curious Coming off of last season, which was so fun for Michigan fans, you finally break through and beat Ohio, Ohio State. You make the college football playoff. Granted, it doesn't go you know, how Wolverines fans would have hoped, but I mean, when you're going against maybe the best defense in college football history, it's kind of to be expected. I mean, what is the vibe, I guess, going into this season? Are people excited? I heard Ryan Rosillo bring up the point that he's not even sure Michigan fans want this season to happen because he finally beat Ohio State. And it's like, <laughs> y'all know that like Ohio State's going to be so good this year. It's like, I don't know. I'd kind of like to ride that high for, a, for another year or two. I completely get it. Uh, but right now, Michigan actually has not one but two quarterbacks they're very confident in. And just the fact that the that team is found some stability at that position is really nice. So, uh while it, uh, while we would like to stay in 2021 for quite a while, I think uh, moving forward to 22 is okay. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the quarterback, you know, controversy carousel, however you want to phrase it, that's been a, a big point of discussion amongst not just Michigan fans but college football fans in general. Obviously, Michigan, a top 10 team, could be in the playoff contention. It's it's one of the big storylines in college football this year. They're going to roll with McNamara in the first game against CSU, then start J.J. McCarthy against Hawaii before determining who the starter will be moving forward. Both guys saw the field last year, so I don't think this is necessarily shocking. From my perspective, though, I never love when you go into a season and you have to get multiple quarterbacks reps. 
Do you genuinely feel like both of these guys could lead Michigan to where they need to be? Or is this kind of a scenario where it's like everything else is a big strength. We like these quarterbacks, but we're not really sure if either one of them is like the guy. Well, I'll start off by saying, I mean, Cade McNamara did a great job last year and, you know, it was kind of a shaky start. You know, there was a lot of uh, talk about, you know, when they, I think it was the Penn State game that was relatively early last year. Um, or actually it was the season, go back to the season opener against Washington when they just ran the ball basically all game. You heard a lot of fans and people that uh, were tight to the organization just talking about how Harbaugh doesn't necessarily trust the quarterback room. He wants to kind of do the ground and pound stuff. But as Cade kind of came along and we saw, as you mentioned, we saw JJ in certain spurts last year. It really seems like they actually do have two quarterbacks. Obviously, Cade led this, led this team up into the college football playoff. But it just seems like J.J. McCarthy is just breathing down his neck. Uh, he was breathing down his neck last year. And I think that it's just becoming harder and harder for Harbaugh and the offensive coaching staff to keep J.J. off the field. I mean, Cade's a senior. He's a guy that's uh, been in the program for quite a while. He's well-respected. He's a team captain. Uh, but when you have a talent like J.J. McCarthy, you, I mean, you get a little angsty, you know, just having him sit on the bench. You want to see those guys play. So it's a very unique situation. Uh, may the best man win, honestly. It feels kind of like the 49ers, right? You have Jimmy G. He's established. He's gone to the Super Bowl. He's gone to NFC championships. He's done everything that you would want. But then you have this freak athlete. And it's not a perfect comparison. Obviously, McCarthy, Mm -hmm. I think, is at least from what we've seen from him, you don't have quite as many question marks as you had about Trey Lance like going into the draft and even going into this year. We've just seen him play so little football. It's it's tough to forecast what he's going to be like. In your opinion, though, who do you think is going to ultimately win this job? Obviously, McCarthy, if you're unaware, is, and I'm speaking to the people listening, obviously not you, He um, a little bit more dynamic. He's a more explosive athlete, can create with his legs, got a bigger arm, whereas McNamara, I would say, is, is more just kind of a guy. He's going to move the chains. He's accurate. Not the biggest arm in the world, but he can stretch the field a little bit. But it's for... with. With McNamara, it's more just about like doing the right things, you know, moving the chains, leaning on that run game, creating out of play action, and you know, getting the ball to the tight ends and stuff like that. Who who do you want to be the quarterback as a Michigan guy? Do you want the proven guy or do you want the more dynamic athlete? It's a great question. Honestly, I think uh, if JJ's ready, I'd say let's roll. Um, with Cade, you kind of already know what you're getting, and this team is going under. A little bit of a transition period on the defensive side of the ball. So um, it's going to be quite weird with Michigan having the offensive side just being the better side for them this year. And they're going to have to score points. Um, You know, there's a lot of guys that have been in the program for a while on defense. But as you saw last year, we had they had some starters that were, you know, starting the last two, three years that were apparently really good if you watch the games. Um, so it's quite hard to keep a lot of these other guys off the field when you have guys like Dax Hill, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, David Ojabo, uh, and so many more. But the one thing I will add is Harbaugh has shown the ability to really recruit defensively in terms of edge players and in the secondary. So it's an unknown in that department, but it could be uh, the drop off couldn't be as bad as some people think. It's a good point. I-, I will say, I mean, going from Hutch and Ajabo, which is probably the best, you know, pass rushing combo in the entire country. That's 
inherently going to be a little bit of a step down. But when you've got Mazzy Smith at defensive tackle and this linebacking core, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's tough to feel that bad if you're a Michigan fan. I guess I'll say it that way. It's kind of like I, Alabama, I Georgia. You just go straight through the so to the line. You just assume that the next guy is going to be just as good as the last. Who excites you the most on this defense? Obviously, last year, everybody knew about Hutchinson, Ajabo. Had some hype, I would say, coming into the season, especially with guys like us that are big NFL draft nerds, but he really broke out nationally. Who do you foresee being the star of the defense this season? Who's like the guy that CSU fans really need to keep their eye on? Mm, Interesting question. Um, I think, I mean, you have some guys returning in Taylor Upshaw. Um, you already mentioned Mazzie Smith, um, but I think I'm most interested to see two of the young guys who are projected to start Rod Moore at free safety and then junior Colson at linebacker. Um, just seeing some of that new talent come in. Uh, obviously if you're playing as a freshman at Michigan, you got to be pretty good. So if they're able to really prove that on the field against a, a different colored Jersey, that what that's what excites me to mo- the most. As I mentioned before, I'm not really, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic about this defense just with Harbaugh's ability to recruit, but it's uh it's definitely a far cry from what they had last year. Well, I mean, it's only four returning starters, assuming that, you know, based on the projections, mm-hmm. everybody's healthy going into this game. That's a tough situation, even if you've got, you know, the guys that are proven. It's just a lot of moving pieces and you're counting on them to come together and you know it it wouldn't shock me for instance like if you saw a couple of plays where like a CSU receiver is able to get behind the secondary or something like that just because you've got you know new starting corners new safety I mean it's it's kind of bound to happen at some point that like kind of off of that as a Michigan guy you know what does your gut say going into this game I believe the spread 31 and a half last time I saw it's pretty steep um but obviously Michigan is expected to be very, very good. Is that a, is that a spread you foresee them covering? Uh, tough to, so tough to say week one, I would, I would lean yes, but obviously, as you know, Colorado state has gone undergone quite the change from last year to this year. Um, and so the Rams are just such a wild card and Michigan has shown the ability to kind of flounder and just, you know, play a little lame in some of these opening weeks against the, uh, some of these teams. So it's, it's, I don't know exactly what to expect. Uh, I would hope they cover, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams kind of give them a fight. And this is actually somewhat of a closer game than what most people are thinking. What does your gut say as far as what the offensive approach will look like? Because, you know, you mentioned week one last year, they just kind of leaned on the ground game, ran it down Washington's throat. I would think at home with the offensive line that they returned and Blake and, um, Drawn a, uh, yeah, Blake Corum. I don't Blake know why I second guess that. A running back in the backfield coming back. I, I would think if Michigan wants to, they should be able to fairly consistently run the football all game. But given that you have a quarterback controversy, I guess controversy in quotes, mm-hmm. do you think that Harbaugh wants to see what they have in the passing offense more? And, you know, how short is, is McNamara's leash going to be? Yeah, another great question. Um, I mean, it's tough to say exactly what the philosophy. Uh, Josh Gaddis is out at offensive coordinator. Um, I can't remember who their new offensive coordinator is off the top of my head. Um, Matt Weiss elevated to co-offensive coordinator. So I would expect a bit more 
a bit different in terms of scheme and philosophy as opposed to last year. You know, as I mentioned, they ran the ball a lot, especially early on. That was just their bread and butter. But you have guys like Ronnie Bell coming back, who was their best receiver last season, who went down very early in the year. Um, so they were kind of hamstrung in terms of receivers there. Eric All really developed into a really nice tight end. But this offensive line, as you mentioned, they're still a veteran group. Uh, you got all juniors and seniors on this offensive line that are starting. So I think you still have to lean on that strength. Um, but again, there's a lot of, uh, with Ronnie Bell's injury last year, there were a lot of guys I think that showed promise at the receiver position. Uh, Andrew Anthony and Cornelius Johnson, who was actually the leading wide receiver for Michigan last season. So there's guys coming back that can help turn this offense into a more multiple uh, unpredictable approach as opposed to just lining up in the eye formation and running Hassan Haskins just for 2025, at least times per game. Yeah. I don't think you have to go jumbo all that frequently. Um, I mean, with the talent you guys do have, I think there's a lot of possibilities, particularly in a West coast fit to get those receivers open off of play action, create space with some stretch runs, you know, get those receivers involved in the blocking game. Just, Again, kind of going back to 49ers somewhat similarly to kind of what they do, although their offense is kind of like a hybrid of West Coast and a couple of different things we've seen over the years. But mm-hmm. what is uh, what is the key for CSU, in your opinion, to keeping this close? How, how does that happen? You know, you've mentioned that Michigan's kind of stumbled in the past. Is it typically, you know, like quarterbacks forcing things, you know, turnovers? What's, what's the way that Michigan tends to shoot themselves in the foot? Uh, usually just sloppy play, just all around, you know, turnovers, uh, bad offensive line play, not catching the football, um, you know, taking these opportunities for touchdowns and just coming away with field goals, stuff like that. That's really what has hamstrung them in these opening weeks the past few years. I think that there's there's a chance for C- if they're able to, you know, get Cade into some situations where he has to force some throws. Um that's going to be the recipe for an upset. You're going to have to turn the ball over. You're going to have to get to Cade and, you know, beat some of these tackles on the, on the edge to try and just disrupt the passing offense. You know, maybe you get a fumble or something. And then if, if there's any way possible that this defense, uh, I mean, doesn't live up to the billing of previous Michigan defenses, that's something Colorado state has to take advantage of. If you can run on this defense, that's something you just got to lean on. You got to drain the clock. Um, and who knows, maybe you're able to pass on this defense, like you said, and get behind coverage a few times in the game. It's just got to be exploiting the big plays and just capitalizing on mistakes, I think, for Colorado State. Yeah, I think capitalizing is obviously big. I think field position is going to be an important mm-hmm. factor. It always is in these G5 power or five type matchups. I mean, if you can pin Michigan back constantly, make them drive the whole field, you know, don't give up big returns, don't get a punt blocked. Like what happened when they went down to Florida? Like there's just, right. It's the little things, you know, those, those are the instances that turn a, you know, 10 point, 15 point loss or, or deficit into a 30 point, 35 point deficit. And all of a sudden, you know, Michigan's up big and they can just lean on that ground game. Their big offensive line. You're going to be in a, in a tough spot. I think for CSU, you kind of got to strike early. I think that's a big factor. You can kind of get Michigan maybe hopefully on their heels a little bit, second guessing. Uh, but it's going to be interesting, man. Thanks for coming on mm-hmm. and, and talking about this. It was fun to get your perspective on this. Um, I'm excited for you though. You got a big matchup Friday night, Buffs playing TCU, your first, uh, first game as a media member. That's a big deal, dude. 
Absolutely, man. I'm so excited for that. Um, I think we're going to have RG from Photo come down with me too to Boulder. So it's going to be a, a hell of a time. Um, really looking forward to it. And just, I mean, it's a shame that we don't have CU and CSU playing each other because I'd love to cover that with you. We have next year though. So uh, I'm already looking forward to that one. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a game that should be played every year. I know there's, we can argue until we're blue in the face about the Pac-12 and nine conference games and, oh, you could add somebody more valuable. But let me ask you this, Buffs fans. I, you wanna, We'll come back to it in three weeks after you get to experience Air Force. And then you can tell me if you'd rather face <laughs> CSU or not. Anyways, Jake, it was great to, to come on here. Guys, make sure you go follow him on Twitter. What is your handle, my man? We are at Jake DNVR. Oh, changed it up. I like it. Changed it up. Nice and simple. All right, at Jake DNVR, you can follow his Buffs coverage as well. He is a guy that has intense football knowledge, much more so than myself. Certainly one of the guys I respect most when it comes to these type of evaluations. Jake, much love, my guy. Thank you, brother. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like non